All right, so uh, there needs to be a PJ award for the Smedshammer Jesperson family over there. Would you all just stand up so we can see your PJs really quick? Quick, come on. Let's see him. Let's see him. Yes. Yeah, and then I don't know if my dad got the memo or not, but you're not supposed to bring the coat of many colors, Joseph's coat of many colors. But if you wouldn't mind standing. You mind? There you go. Uh-huh. Ah, okay. Here's what we're going to do. So, I told you we had good news. News last night, good news today. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew 2, 1 through 6, but here's what we're going to do. Uh, did you know that everyone uh, was reading the same thing when Jesus was born? Everyone. So the state, the ruling elite, was reading the same thing. You have the church, the saints, they were reading the same thing. You had the academy, the intellectual and cultural elites, reading the same thing. You had the common person, the working class, reading the same thing. Uh, you even had the occult, those that dabble in the supernatural and the unseen world. Everyone was reading the same thing. So what held their attention? The answer is the same thing. What hooked their hearts? The answer is the same thing. Uh, the Jerusalem Times had this thing that they were reading on their number one bestseller list. It was Amazon's number one book. Uh, it was the number one tweet, right? More than Elon Musk. I guess Elon Musk is second in the world, 122 million followers. Who's number one? Anybody know? Uh, President Obama with 133 million followers. So again, what is it? What is it that everybody's reading? Well, here it is. This is it. Are you ready? In Matthew 2, if we have that text, put it up here. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, here's the state, the ruling elite. Behold, wise men from the east, here's the occult, the weird ones. Uh, we would call them New Agers today. Paul would call them uh, doctrines of demons. They came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, went rose, and we've come to worship him. And when Herod the king, the state, heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him, the common people, the working class. And assembling all the chief priests, the church, the saints, and the scribes, the academy, the cultural, intellectual elites. He inquired of them where the Christ, this king of the Jews, right, was to be born. They, and this is an interesting combination because it doesn't happen much today, but back then, the church and the academy were working together. They said, they told him, the state, the ruling elite, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, and there it is, what everybody's reading. What is everybody reading? The prophet. The whole ancient world in a major metropolitan city was all reading the prophet. They were reading someone who brings news from another world. Amazing. So what was this prophet saying? What was the news? Here it is in verse 6. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. Now we need some quick background on that. What is Judah? So Judah is the fourth son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. He was the fourth son by Leah, the unloved wife of Jacob. Jacob did not love Leah. He loved Rachel. So Judah's from an unloved mom, fourth son, 12 sons, that ended up having 12 families that the ancient world called 12 tribes, what ends up being Israel. What is the prophet saying? What's the news? And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, in the ancient world, Judah's family was called the lions. The lions. Why were they called the lions? Because this is where the leaders came from. This is where the rulers came from. This is where the warriors came from. This is where the kings came from. And this is also where the greatest king possibly in all the ancient world, this guy by the name of King David, came from. And then there were whispers, whispers that went all the way back to Genesis, that moved all the way through every book in the Bible and every redemptive thing that God did in the world, that there were whispers of this greater David, this magical, mystical, mighty champion that would also come from Judah. Verse 6 is about the greater David. Verse 6 is about the one they call the lion of the tribe of Judah. Is this baby? Is this baby in Bethlehem the lion? Everyone's asking. Everyone's thinking about it. Everybody wants to know. So yeah, everyone in the ancient world was reading the same thing. So the roar of a lion can be heard for five miles. That's 114 decibels. Uh, that's louder than a rock concert, Dean Mitchell. Uh, that's equivalent to a jet plane taking off. Has anyone ever heard a lion roar? I mean, not Cameron Zoo, the little push button and the thing in the box. Anybody ever heard a lion roar? Seriously. Have you heard a lion roar? Adrian? Oh. And we see... a. We see a little person heard a lion roar. Thank you, honey, for telling me that. Okay, so the first time I heard a lion roar, and it's the only time I've heard a lion roar, we were at the Pittsburgh Zoo with our young family at the time. And the uh, zoo was one of those first that had the open habitat zoos. Now they're all the rage, but back then, you know, all the animals were in the cage just pacing. Remember those days? <laughs> I remember as a little kid, I was like, oh, man. Like, I'd eat everybody that came by me if I was that lion in that cage. Just put a hand in, please. 
Um, so there was this, we were walking to it, we didn't know where it was, but it was Pride Rock, and you're going up on this hill, and all of a sudden, and we're just pushing a stroller, I got, I think, four kids at the time, I think we had four, at the, yeah, we didn't have Ty at the time, we had four kids at the time, and all of a sudden, you heard this, and it was like something went through you, and every mom instantly like grabbed their child. Every dad tried to look tough, but I was looking around because I knew what was happening to me. My stomach did an involuntary flip-flop, and my knees immediately just started looking for some solid ground. And what ended up happening is that one lion was fighting another lion. It was absolutely an amazing sound. Lions roar for three reasons. They roar before an enemy. They, they roar to claim something that's theirs from an enemy. Territory, a fresh kill, food. Someone in their pride pack, another lion or lioness. And then finally they roar in victory when they kill their enemy. 33 years after this incredible moment, the text we just looked at, 33 years after that, when all the world came together and was reading the same thing in this Jerusalem city, 33 years after that, Jesus loses one of his dear friends. And three days later, he goes to visit the family, two sisters, Mary and Martha. It's an interesting conversation. It's recorded in John. If you haven't read it, I, I encourage you to read it maybe later this week. And then he does the strangest thing after three days of his friend being dead. He visits the tomb. And John records it this way. John records Jesus standing before the tomb and he roars. And then John records that in this tomb, Jesus claims a friend. And he roars, Lazarus, come out. And then days later, when he rises from the dead, he And all the angels with him. Jesus was born to roar. He was born to roar before your tomb, your enemy. And what is that? Well, the Bible tells us it's all the brokenness in us. It's, I was hearing today someone was actually saying on the radio that I don't know why people just keep separating themselves from God. And I thought, you know, it's really not that good. We're already separated from God. Everyone. It's not that we separate ourselves. We come into this world separated. It's already worse than we thought. And the lion of the tribe of Judah was born to roar before your tomb.
your sin, my sin, my guilt, and guilt is a real thing. We probably experience it more like shame. We don't know the difference between feeling bad or feeling guilty. Just say it's the same thing. And he roars before that, and he roars before your suffering, and he roars before all your misery. Every multifaceted form that you and I have of self-imprisonment. He roars. And then he roars to claim you because you're his. He says, Lucy, come out. Luke, come out. And then he was born to roar in your victory. In your victory over the tomb, because what he does is he empties your tomb. Empties it. And this morning, I know many of us actually think we're still in there, or parts of us are still in there, or this area of our life is still in there, or this area of this broken world is still in there. But what if, right now, your tomb was already empty? You know what would happen? If we get this kind of news, it's time for you to roar. It's time for you to roar before all the tombs in your life. What are all the tombs in your life? It's time for you to roar before all of them. And you say things like, Hail, hail, Lion of Judah. Let the lion <laughs> roar. For the past year, I've been listening to one song every single morning when I come here to preach. And we're going to sing it. Uh, it's not going to be an easy song. Uh, but it's a very meaningful song. And you were wondering for the twist. I don't think, I wonder sometimes. I wonder about the type of songs we'll sing in heaven. I don't know if we'll have little hand things. I don't know that. Um, I do know we will roar. I do know it will sound like a bunch of lions roaring. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>